This is the Realm of Agape Christian Church. The Lord will not allow you to stay as you are. You may come as you are, but the Holy Ghost will work a transforming work if you allow him to do so. It has become quite evident that the church's relativistic uh, version of truth and its uh, weakened dependence on hyper grace has falsely freed unsuspecting souls to live a self-pleasing life with no inclination to tremble at all. There's no fear and trembling in the presence of God anymore. My God, I've seen people even throw their middle finger up at God. Such disrespect. Amos has been canonized in the Holy Word of God to remind us of the truth about God's holy heart towards these sins. Quote, you could think of God saying it like this from chapter 4, verse 2. I swear by my holiness, like a fierce lion, I oppose your desire for every good thing you value about me. And I swear by all that I am. Chapter 6, verse 8. Like a father who disciplines his child because he cannot bear to lose him, I will pay whatever price I must to bring you home. People today have trouble accepting the truth about God because the world wants a powerless God that will allow them to do whatever they want to be, allow them to be whatever they want to be, regardless of the deceived path that they are taking. Uh, degeneration and perversion become the order of the day when the absolutes of God's creative purpose are rejected. But God's infallible word will not be tarnished by our moral fallacies. God goes on to say in Amos, if you want to hear what I am saying and not what you assume I'm saying, you will hear this. Worship that leaves unchanged the way you relate to me and to others is false worship. I will not cooperate with any pursuit of spiritual maturity that leaves unrecognized and undisturbed your hidden energy of self-protection and self-enhancement. Read Amos and tremble. You are conscious only of your unsatisfied desires in the presence of my seeming indifference, like worshipers dancing around Baal's altar on Mount Carmel back in 1 Kings 18:26. You sing and shout in your churches, thinking you will persuade me to favor you with the blessings that you want. Read Amos and tremble. The consciousness of your relational sin in the presence of my relational purity, amen, will, will, will make you tremble. But if you decide not to tremble because you want to be hard head and stiff necked, um, put a deaf ear and, 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 and close your eyes to the truth, you want to remain in the uh, state of being that you are. Change will not happen. What real worship produces what? Real change. God is trying to persuade us. He's got his arms out open wide and waiting for us, but we want to ignore him. God goes on to say how I relate is the plumb line, the standard by which you will be judged. I will destroy every society, including what you call church, quote unquote, that organizes itself around the goal of self-pleasing. 
I will build my kingdom, a community of broken, joyful people centered in my glory who will eternally rejoice in perfect fellowship with me. That is the real church. Amen. What we got going on in this modern day is a big carnival of sorts. And we're catering to the whims of the up and down, can't be trusted, soulish realm. We're catering to the soulish realm. We're supposed to be seeking to save the souls, not cater to them. We should not become confused about God, thinking of him as a senseless, apathetic tyrant who does not have our best welfare in mind, our health, life, and strength, and a functional family with the ability to lovingly support each other and our society. It's not always what we want that is wrong. It's mostly what we want the most. When we want our life to go well more than we want to know and please God, we relate to him and to others in ways that violate his holy nature. And that is sinful. That is called relational sin. Relational sin destroys relationships. Relational sin eliminates the source of identity and joy that God intends for us to have and know about. In the first three chapters of uh, Amos, God exposes the character of relational sin, what his soul hates. Relational sin treats people as things to be used for personal advantage. That was the sin of Damascus. My God, it values financial gain for oneself over the well-being of others. And that was the sin of Gaza. It regards one's word as breakable when self-interest is served. And that was the sin of Tyre. It sees nothing wrong with nourishing hatred against people who hurt you deeply. That was the sin of Edom. It justifies harming others to increase personal satisfaction. That was the sin of Ammon. It presumes vengeance is a legitimate personal right. That was the sin of Moab. It disregards the absolutes God reveals as the standard for all relating. That was the sin of Judah. It pursues satisfaction by following a plan for life that is self-serving and not God-glorifying. That, along with all the others, was the sin of Israel. Sin will make you spiritually blind. Without deep consciousness of relational sin, people then felt and people now today feel falsely complacent with God's presence. They are unaware and therefore untroubled by how far short their lifestyle of relating to God falls behind. My God, and, and is off course. Through Amos, God told his people to stop worshiping him at Bethel, Beersheba, and Gilgal in Amos 5, verses 4 through 6. It wasn't worship at all. That's why he wanted it stopped. 
imagine us singing glorious hymns that we think are glorious and got all of our instruments and we're clapping our hands and we're smiling and we're dancing around and God is up there going, cease and desist. It is a stench in my nostrils, my God. We don't even know that that's happening. God met Jacob at Bethel in Genesis 28, 16. And at a second meeting, he changed his name from Jacob, one who takes for himself, to Israel, one who struggles with God. God's people assumed they would meet him at Bethel without any thought of being changed by him. They were thinking of coming as they are and staying as they are. They saw nothing in the way uh, they were relating that desperately needed changing. In Beersheba, God pledged, pledged that he would be with Abraham in Genesis 21, verses 22 and 23. And Isaac, don't forget, Genesis 26, verses 23 and 24. And he went on to name Jacob in Genesis, later in Genesis 46, verses 1 through 4. The God of Abraham, Isaac... And Jacob, my God, in each case, uh, his companionship was promised in order to achieve his purposes. He did it through those covenants he made in the Abrahamic covenant. There would be an innumerable amount of family that would come through him. Meanwhile, his wife was barren, my God. But the miracle did happen. My God. And he was yet the God of Isaac. Even though some of the bad habits of Abraham went to Isaac, the Holy Spirit still allowed them to have grace wherewithal that the covenant of God would, amen, not be tarnished. He went forward, amen, until there was a Jacob. Hallelujah. Thank God there's covenants in each one. But God's people in the days of Amos assumed his companionship was guaranteed because of these covenants, but they forgot they had a part to do. Amen. God will always do his part. God will never fail. He will never die. He will never lie. My God. But we do all of those things. We want to die spiritually just for a little bit of fun in the finite earth world. My God. We forgot that, yes, we are mortal right now, and there's a finite uh, timeline in Hebrews 9.27. It says that there's appointed unto, unto every man to die, to leave this earth. But after that, you got to face God in judgment. You got to get it right right now. Amen. Now is the accepted time. You don't have tomorrow promise. You got only right now. Amen. You got to get yourself right with God right now. Amen. God needs us to do that. That's why he's begging us, pleading, beseeching. Therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, come forward and know the Lord better. My God, my God, my God. The people in Amos' day forgot about that. And over in Gilgal, back in the ancient day, was the site where God's people first camped in the promised land and ate its food after 40 years of manna. It was there that every male was circumcised to symbolize God's power to preserve those he loves without the comforts of Egypt, according to Joshua 5, two, uh, verses 2 through 9. 
But his people whom he was addressing through Amos were like so many of his so-called followers today. Uh, They believed life with God meant a pleasant life of blessings in this world rather than the good life of relating like his son Jesus did when he lived in this world without even a place to rest his head. My God. What if Jesus did like us? He'd have a big caravan of limos. Oh, he would do it up, won't he, though? My God, he'd have a, oh, he'd have a whole lineup. My God. And and you wouldn't even get to see him because of the big line before him. By the time he came in the room, we'd be asleep like the disciples were in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, can't you pray for an hour? You're sleeping. Jesus could have built himself up so... My goodness, but it wasn't about that. It was about seeking to save the lost at any cost till he gave his very life. My God. And he allowed the blood to be spilled so that it could pay the price for our sin. And he's the only one without sin. It had to be somebody without sin that could rise again in power and victory against death, hell, and the grave. My God, he did it for you. He did it for me. And we got to make our mind up right here and right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amos was calling out and his call is yet relevant to us today that, amen, the people back then had a religion that never exposed and judged their relational sin. That's the kind of theologies people like to write. They like to erase the fact that there is such a thing as sin. My God. That's why God told them back then, and he is yet telling us today, to stop practicing detestably complacent religion like they did at Bethel, Beersheba, and Gilgal. For us today in our church culture, we may be more familiar with the Lord's command to be witnesses of true worship in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That's how we would put it today. We cannot allow the weeds of complacency to choke the Lord's heavenly purpose of true worship. In the final five verses of Amos, God announced his plan to restore true worship and with it the satisfaction of every human desire. You can't have total satisfaction without totally having Jesus in every part of your being. Amen. God is into total. He's into wholeness. Thank God you can't be holy without being made whole. Amen. God needs your whole self for you to become holy. There's folks that know how to have a pretense of holiness, but yet they hide their little dark secrets until the enemy is able to make sport of us all on Hulu and everywhere else, making the world know about our little sex, secret sex games and blows it all up so that the whole world will know that it's not wor- worth following Jesus. You may as well just follow me in the first place. That's the trick of the enemy. He wants us to go without God. And he'll let you be religious without God. You could look religious and yet have not God. But without Christ, the Son of God, God, amen, could promise no such thing. You cannot have your own kind of religion without Jesus. God will never promise that. With Jesus, God can promise us all things according to his holy will. He won't go less than that. 
God's Holy Spirit is working to lead the world in these last days of perilous times as they are to search for eternal truth and grace, the grace that saves your soul through Jesus Christ. And know what? You know what? He's coming soon. Jesus is coming. Oh, he said it in his word. Yes, he's coming. You can rest assured that he is. If he said it, he's coming. In the meantime, we must realize that God has given us the grace to lead a holy life that is required in having a a right relationship with him. He said, be ye holy, for I am holy. Amen. The following scripture reference is God's given proof that we can be delivered from a mind and heart that wants to sin against God's holy will to become authoritative defenders of his grace that opens up the way to life that we can live through the power of the Holy Spirit, which gives us now the ability to experience holy faith. Amen. According to Titus Chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. I'm reading in the New Language Translation so that you can understand it a little better. It says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin. We're born incarcerated, right? But Jesus can help us to break out of that prison. Amen. And then he'll cleanse us and make us his very own people because we will like you know be nomads with no name no purpose but he'll make us his own we'll become joint heirs with christ amen totally committed to doing good deeds because the holy spirit will transform our mind uh you must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them it says in titus You have the authority to correct them when necessary, so don't let anyone disregard what you say. He told the pastor to say that. Amen. And uh, amen. I feel that people disregard what I say, even in my own family circle sometimes. Amen. I'm only looked at as uncle and never as a pastor. Amen. Even though God made me one, you would think Christians would want amen to not disregard the spirituality of those who have been regenerated like they have by the Holy Spirit. And if you have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, you will regard what the Holy Spirit is doing. In the world and in individuals and hopefully in you. Amen. When all is said and done, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what we're supposed to be. uh, We must allow him to work on us to be without spot or wrinkle. Stop going and surfing the net and looking at all these, these things and seeing how we could fit in. These become spots 
in our character. We begin to wrinkle the garments of holiness that we're supposed to be walking in. And then we will begin to uh, make a mockery of God's name. We call ourselves Christians, the people of Christ. But then we're doing ungodly things. It says in 1 John, if you know, you say you have fellowship with him, but you're walking in dark ways, you're a liar and you're not doing truthful things. My God, God knows our hearts. And when he judges our attitudes, will we be found lacking the needed qualities to be his lights in a dark world? Will the secular world be able to taste the difference and learn about God? Will they? Uh, it should be our prayer that uh, we never develop a Romans chapter 10 verse 21 kind of persona. And in case you don't know, it is this in the NLT version. But regarding Israel, God said all day long, I opened my arms to them, but they were disobedient and rebellious. We of the realm of Agape Christian Church pray that the Holy Word of God has richly blessed your soul. To send prayer requests, use the contacts page of our website, www.roagape.org. We need your continued prayers and financial support to maintain this ministry. You can also find a secure means of donating on our website. God bless you.